0: on this episode of Business Interrupted.
1: You are not going to have everything figured out because that's not the way things work, unfortunately, but you will be so much more strategically prepared if you had this in place.
0: Business as usual is challenged every day. It's not about if disruption occurs, it's when. On this original show from Castellan Solutions, we're learning from the world's best leaders so you can be ready for whatever comes next. I'm your host, Cheyenne Marling. What do you get when you take an insurance underwriter, put them in disaster recovery for computing services, and add a passion for business continuity? You get Melanie Lucht, Associate Vice President and Chief Risk Officer at Carnegie Mellon University. Melanie first learned to think like a risk manager while working in insurance and discovered business continuity in the process. After joining the Computing Services Division at Carnegie Mellon, she was offered the opportunity to launch a risk management program. Needless to say, she didn't hesitate to accept the position. In this Leaders episode, Melanie discusses the difference between disaster recovery and enterprise resilience and how prioritizing resilience helped her team navigate the COVID pandemic and its continuing challenges.
1: It's quite the journey that we've taken. And when I started at Carnegie Mellon, I was originally positioned in the computing services division because I also oversaw disaster recovery for IT. And when I got the position at Carnegie Mellon, the original theory behind the position itself was more on disaster recovery. And as my leadership understood the difference between the two in that business continuity really helps to set disaster recovery priorities, they said, oh, well, then we need to do that first. But the role and our service catalog and our mission really was incubated out of computing services But then it was in 2017 where the university had new leadership come in that came from other, you know, institutions or other industries and had a broader appreciation of enterprise risk management, understood the value and saw where we had opportunities at the university to break down silos and to put the organizations that were focused not only on resiliency management, but as well as risk management to bring us all together. And that's where I had the opportunity to not only head up this new department called Enterprise Risk Management, I had the amazing privilege to grow the team and mature the team based on the whole concept of organizational resiliency.
0: And that's fantastic because we talk about with so many professionals in the industry, how we have to grow our skill sets outside of pure business continuity, pure disaster recovery. It's much, much more than that. If you wanted to make an enterprise program, you have to incorporate all those different disciplines. And now being the chief risk officer of Carnegie Mellon, Tell me about some of the other stakeholders that you're working with.
1: We have many stakeholders and many colleagues that we partner with, not only to mature and grow our programs, but we all are working together as one community for the greater good, for the safety and the resiliency of the community. So we work closely with our partners in university police. We work closely with our facilities team. And we actually have in place we call a core team. It's a part of our emergency preparedness and response team. But what this core group represents is the leaders in very specific organizations that if something is happening, if there's something disruptive or something that we anticipate could be disruptive, this core group of leaders will find out about it first and communicate amongst our broader group, so that we can mobilize, coordinate, and communicate what our response will be and what preparations we need to have in advance in order to respond. So you can imagine that core team is representative of our all of the people I've mentioned previously, but also university executive leadership in the president's office, our communications organization, as well as our student affairs organization. So it's a nice cross section of university leadership.
0: As you speak about how they're having to communicate and prepare for the events, I think it goes without saying the last 12, 18 months with COVID has really shifted your program and every aspect of it. So I'm curious to know, first and foremost, When the shutdown happened in 2020, how did you pivot with your program? How did you have to look at shutting down the campus? How did you work your program around all those changing scenarios? We actually started
1: communicating with one another as a team, as our emergency preparedness team, and getting many of our stakeholders on campus prepared for what we anticipated was going to happen. So that actually started on January twenty second. Our Executive Director of Health Services alerted the community to what became a pandemic. And it was primarily out of concern for our international students who were returning from winter break. We wanted to make sure that we were providing them with the care and support that they might need should they need it, but also to raise the awareness throughout the community that this was happening. It was shortly after that that we put our emergency preparedness team on notice, and we started to send out regular communications within that broader team to just keep them aware that we're tracking this, and if we need to activate further, that they would then be engaged. And We actually did that in February. We activated our plan and we let everyone know on the team that they need to be prepared to begin working remotely if they needed to. But more so, we advised all of our business continuity plan stakeholders, of which we had at the time about 150 plans in our environment. And we told all of them that this is a good opportunity to review your plans Make sure that all of your information is up to date, be ready to activate, and if you need support, that that's what we were here to do. And as we activated our emergency operations center, that really became what it was designed to do. It became the hub of where we were communicating with one another, how we were communicating. We always ask ourselves three questions. What are you doing? What do you know? And what do you need? And it was in those very early days, we met on a twice daily basis to ask everyone on the team those same three questions so that we had everything that we needed and when we needed it. And I think having that early level of preparation, and I know many organizations did exactly the same things, but in a university environment, making sure that we were prepared to support what was really like a small city. Under such unprecedented circumstances, was quite a,
0: a challenge, and it moved very quickly. I can't even imagine. I didn't even think about the international component with your international students and coming back from winter break, as well as a parent. Now, Grandma, my son's not. My children are not in college yet, but we're going to be there next year. So I thought about this. Not a lot of friends that were, you know, going into their freshman year, sophomore, what have you, in college. So I'm thinking about that component as well, not just the program itself and your staff and your faculty, but then you have the parents and everyone bombarding the university with questions. So I'm assuming the communications. Tell me a little bit about that because it was changing, obviously, for everyone.
1: It, it was changing almost, I would say, by the hour. We had very early on, we had established within the emergency operations center, basically a ticketing system. And we were very grateful to have had that infrastructure in our environment already. But we set up a ticketing system that isolated my team from other aspects of the central ticketing system and started instructing people that if you have a question or if there's something you need to alert us to, send it to this email address. It will create a ticket so that we don't lose sight of it. And we will be able to then you know, farm out requests or information as needed to other groups on campus. And so we really became that, that hub of communications. We did get many questions from parents, as you can imagine, to understand what were we doing to make sure that, that we were adhering to all of the guidance that was changing quite rapidly, but also parents from overseas who were very concerned and were already experiencing what we in the United States had not yet experienced or came to fully appreciate the scale of what was happening. And so we were getting recommendations from parents living in China that buy facial coverings, you're going to need them. And we heeded that call. And we very quickly purchased tens of thousands of facial coverings before the supply chain started to become weakened as a result of everyone needing to buy the same things at the same time. So it it was really our international community that helped support all of our efforts as well.
0: That's really interesting. As far as lessons learned, granted, we can't have the answers for everything and, and you have to pivot for each different event. But what are of the three things that you really learned from COVID that you've implemented in your program now?
1: Interestingly enough, just last month, we conducted an after-action review, and it really was tongue-in-cheek because we're not after anything. It was more of an 18-month checkpoint, if you will, because we're still continuing to meet on a regular basis and manage the pandemic and all of our risk mitigation protocols. But I think some of the things that really have emerged for us in terms of not only strengths, but also opportunities for future process improvement is we really recognized that the groups on campus that had business continuity plans in place, they handled this much more seamlessly than other groups that had been putting business continuity on the back burner or had not prioritized it as much as we would have wanted them to. So I think what this did was it really helped to emphasize the importance and value of business continuity planning but also can identify um, and escalate if you don't have it, how you react differently to some of these same scenarios that we're all exposed to. So we actually got a lot of interesting and positive feedback from our stakeholders that said, I'm so glad I had this plan. Even a few years ago when I created it, I didn't fully understand why I would need this, but now I do. And so we took that to say to other stakeholders you might not fully appreciate why you're doing this now you will later if you need it and it's just better to have it and and have it ready so that you don't have to feel the stress and the anxiety of having to scramble and figure things out on the fly you are not going to have everything figured out because that's not the way things work unfortunately but you will be so much more strategically prepared if you had this in place and i think many members of our community have come to appreciate that they've also come to appreciate the value of just risk management in general and why it's important to just even to have a base level of understanding i do think where we had opportunities lessons learned in terms of process improvement was with our you know access controls we're a very open campus community. And so, one of the things that we identified very early on, we had to improvise. We already had an access control system in place, and it was very resilient but we identified opportunities where we could further enhance that resiliency so that everyone in the community understood the value of having access control and what we could use it for. There was a question at one point in time, whether or not we could use our access control system for contact tracing purposes. And we decided that probably wasn't going to add a whole lot of value at the end of the day. The other thing that we did was we created a whole new community of volunteer pandemic safety officers and community pandemic safety ambassadors. Hundreds of of volunteers that were once floor marshals or just engaged members of our community took up the charge to make sure that members of the community had what they needed, whether it was a facial covering, whether it was hand sanitizer, whether it was signage, they really became our eyes and ears. And what we found, and I think which is typical with most human beings, is that you'll have some rock stars just go above and beyond all day, every day. And then you'll have others that will do exactly what you ask them to do. And then there's others that are not as engaged as you would like them to be. So we learned that not everyone might be as engaged in some of those voluntary roles as we would like them to be. But what are opportunities that we could capitalize upon to direct them to areas that they might be more interested in as opposed to others in performing some of these voluntary roles.
0: So thinking about everything you've gone through the last 12 or 18 months, what is your biggest takeaway from that? Everyone's learning something from this, but how has it really impacted your career? In terms of
1: my career, but I think more so for my team, I think that this has really affected all of us over the long term in a very positive way, because I think we have received the acknowledgement of the value of the services that we provide to the community. And I think for a lot of business continuity professionals, there's days where you just feel like you're not making the headway you would like to make, you feel like you're jogging in place, and to have the opportunity to really lift up and lean in and Demonstrate this is why we do this and, and we're good at it. And I think it has really served as an opportunity for enterprise risk management to be recognized. If you do it well and you're committed and you're passionate about it, I think it, that becomes recognized and you have a seat at the table. And we have had our seat at the table.
0: Looking back over your career, what piece of advice would you give your younger self?
1: I would tell my younger self a couple of things. I think don't worry so much (laughs) because you work hard and you do everything that you can to make sure that you're taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you, but also having the confidence in yourself to know that you're going to anticipate what opportunities could come your way and not don't paint yourself in a corner to say, in five years, I want to make sure I'm at this mark or I'm doing these things because you just never know what's around the corner and you want to just be ready for for any opportunity that comes your way that you can be excited about there was no way 5 years ago in 2016 that i could have anticipated that i or my team would be in this position now and so i think leaving yourself open to future opportunities that you might not even be fully aware of yet can
0: be really exciting what is one competency or skill that you think is really, and if you have more than one, maybe one or three competencies or skills that you really think a business continuity, risk management, crisis management professional needs to have to be successful?
1: It takes a few things because I think what I learned coming from a financial services institution into a higher education institution is culturally very different. And so having the skills to have a a level of self-awareness, but also emotional intelligence that helps you to navigate the culture in which you are working, that you're still doing business continuity, but it could be received very differently depending on where you're at. And so having that higher level of self-awareness and also Be willing to reach out and introduce yourself and not be afraid to engage in a discussion or take that first step to build relationships because honestly. I think one of the key attributes of our program is that we seek to build strong relationships and making sure that it's a two-way street. One of the things that we tell our stakeholders as we work with them on building business continuity plans is, we're in this with you. We're your partner. And then if you need anything, we'll continue to be your partner. We're just not going to throw a bunch of stuff at you and expect you to do all these tasks that wouldn't be fair to you. And it's not valuable to us either, because the quality of what you're giving us back might not be what we would want or look for. So it's really building those strong relationships, because that will reap rewards tenfold down down the road. So having that level of, I guess it's the soft skills, but also then the communication is really key. Knowing what to say, being an active listener, and sometimes Yeah, having that active listening skill is really important and and just being very clear in what you're asking for and what you're going to do to help them achieve their goals
0: and support the program. With so many twists and turns throughout her career, what has been her most important takeaway? Here's the answer.
1: What has been important to me and to our program here at Carnegie Mellon is I think really just doing everything that we can to maximize our own potential and seek out the opportunities that we know is going to take us to that next level and not be afraid to do that. Just jump in. And that's, I think, one of the exciting things about an educational institution is that it's about learning. And so use these opportunities to learn. And sometimes failure is a part of that and recognizing that not everything is going to be a home run and that's okay. And I think just learning from those experiences and just being able to say, even if you're tired, even if you're busy, if you have an opportunity to take it to another level, you absolutely should do that because you have no idea what doors could open for you as a result.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Business Interrupted. I'm Shia Marling for this Leaders episode. To get more insights and resources, check out the show notes or head over to castellonbc.com and follow along wherever you get your audio.